Welcome back to the Badass Literature Society, where badasses come together to rate and review novels recommended by you. Hi, I'm Michael. This is Barbara. And I'm Lauren. This month, we read When We Believed in Mermaids by Barbara O'Neill. It was recommended to us by Kayla Price. Thank you for the recommendation. Like always, we'll split the podcast into two sections, a spoiler-free discussion and our overall score, and then a more in-depth discussion of the plot and the ending, which will obviously be spoiler-heavy, as well as our individual scores for the book. But first, let's talk about the author. Barbara O'Neill is the Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, and number one Amazon Charts best-selling writer of women's fiction. She is the author of 11 novels in that genre, including How to Bake a Perfect Life and The Lost Recipe for Happiness. Her award-winning books have been published in more than a dozen countries, including France, England, Poland, Australia, Turkey, Italy, Germany, and Brazil. She lives in the beautiful city of Colorado Springs with her beloved, a British endurance athlete who vows he'll never lose his accent. Barbara, you want to tell us about the specs of the book? I would love to, Michael. This was originally published on July 16th of 2019. It is considered chiclet romance and fiction. It's 348 pages long, and it currently has a 4.2 on Goodreads, a 4.5 on Amazon, and a 4.7 on Barnes & Nobles. And it has not been nominated or won any awards at the time of this recording. All right. And Lauren, you want to read us the back of the book? I would love to, Michael. Josie Bianchi was killed years ago on a train during a terrorist attack. Gone forever. It's what her sister Kit, an ER doctor in Santa Cruz, has always believed. Yet all it takes is a few heart-wrenching seconds to upend Kit's world. Live coverage of a club fire in Auckland has captured the image of a woman stumbling through the smoke and debris. Her resemblance to Josie is unbelievable. And unmistakable. With it comes a flood of emotions. Grief, loss, and anger that Kit finally has a chance to put to rest by finding the sister who's been living a lie. After arriving in New Zealand, Kit begins her journey with the memories of the past, of days spent on the beach with Josie, of a lost teenage boy who'd become part of their family, and of a trauma that has haunted Kit and Josie their entire lives. Now, if two sisters are to reunite, it can only be by unearthing long-buried secrets and facing a devastating truth that has kept them apart far too long. To regain their relationship, they may have to lose everything. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. So, like always, what did you guys think about When We Believed in Mermaids? And remember, no spoilers. Barbara, why don't you start for us? It was fine. I found it hard to slug through it since it was very boring to me. I was expecting one story and got something else entirely. I feel like this book wasn't sure what kind of story I wanted to tell, so it kind of sprinkled, like, sprinkled a little of everything, and that didn't really work for me. All right, so I will. Uh, I'll go next. Um, uh, I mean, overall, like it was, it was, it was fine. Um, I can see why fans of this genre would like it, uh, but for me, it was just meh. Uh, there were a few parts of the story that I did enjoy that I'll get into later because spoilers. Um, but overall, it was it was kind of just okay. Um, and there were many moments where I feel like if this wasn't for the podcast, I might have been like, eh, I'm going to read something else now. Um, but at the end, I am glad that I finished it, but I'll talk about that later. <clears throat> I enjoyed this book overall. There are definitely some things that were predictable, and I had some gripes about a few different plot points, which I can talk about later. But overall, I enjoyed reading it. I liked the story. I'm a sucker for a good romantic side plot. Though I know how Barbara feels about this one, so we'll talk about that later, too. Um, I thought the pacing was good, and it kept me wanting to continue reading. Um, early on, it was a little slow, like Barbara said, but um, it did pick up. And I think it was just a good story. I enjoyed it. And, you know, I, I understand giving my review that this book wasn't written for me. So I, I, I get it. It's okay. I, you know, I, I'm not going to be offended if you're upset with the way I didn't like it. Um, moving on from there, though, we, you know, as we never get into our individual ratings, but uh, let's talk about our group score. For this one, it ended up being a 6.5 out of 10. So follow-up question, would you recommend this book? Um, and I... I guess I'll start this time. To some people, sure, I would. And I met Baker as a surprise after me just telling you I didn't like the book at all. But, you know, I'd recommend it to my mother who likes chiclet and mystery books. She'd probably like this book. Um, beyond that, I would have recommended it to Lauren, um, but she read it for the podcast. I wouldn't have recommended it to Barbara. Um, and I really probably wouldn't have recommended it to anybody else. But the, to, to those two people in my life that like these kind of books, yeah, absolutely. Or to anybody else that I might know who likes chiclet with a hint of mystery, I would have recommended it as well. I would recommend it. 
It has an element of mystery, but also the chick lit feel when you get further into it. Then it also has really good character arcs. I did enjoy that, and I can talk more about that later, but some of the books that these two pick have crappy character arcs and or not any closure, and this one had all of those things. So, just saying. I feel like it has something in it for everyone, unless you're strictly into sci-fi fantasy. (coughs) Michael. (coughs) In which case, this one's probably not for you. Yeah, I mean... So I would recommend this to some of my friends. I know some of my friends would and do enjoy these types of books while others don't and wouldn't. It's not my personal favorite cup of tea, but it wasn't awful either. And I mean, I don't know what y'all are talking about element of mystery, but I guess we'll get into that later on. I don't find that very mysterious and nothing happened in the book as mystery to me, but it is what it is. Um, as far as like an easy read, take to the beach and read it in one city time thing. That's the type of book this is like, it's a quick read and easy enough to read and nothing crazy happens. Really. That's why it was a little boring to me, but I know a lot of people enjoy that. So I would recommend it honestly to most of my friends. Cause I think I'm the, the only odd one out who doesn't like these types of books. So oops. So there's our initial thoughts, our initial recommendations. Uh, for those of you who are leaving us now because you don't want to hear about spoilers, don't forget to give us a rating on uh, on the podcast if you like it, whether that's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, Pandora, wherever you listen. Um, that'd be really important if you give us a rating. We'd really appreciate it. And also follow us on Facebook and Instagram if you're not already. Our rating, our, our rating, our handle in both places is at Badass Lit Pod. And we'd love to hear from you. If you've got a book you want us to read to add to this list, let us know. Now for a short preview of our next episode. Lauren? Next month, we are reading 13 by Steve Cavanaugh, which was recommended to us by Jen Hurd. Get it, Jen? Uh, here's the preview. They were Hollywood's hottest power couple. They had the world at their feet. Now, one of them is dead, and Hollywood star Robert Solomon is charged with the brutal murder of his beautiful wife. This is the celebrity murder trial of the century, and the defense want one man on their team, con artist turned lawyer Eddie Flynn. All the evidence points to Robert's guilt. But as the trial begins, a series of sinister incidents in the courtroom start to raise doubts in Eddie's mind. What if there's more than one actor in the courtroom? What if the killer isn't on trial? What if the killer is on the jury? Remember, the second part of our podcast is an in-depth look at the book. So if you do want to read When We Believed in Mermaids, stop listening right now and come back when you're done. Because for this one, there's definitely going to be spoilers. I've looked at the notes. We're going to spoil some stuff. So if you want to read this, stop now. Come back later. I'm Megan and I'm Samantha with Literary Lushes and we want to tell you about our podcast. Join us every other week as we dive into a sci-fi or fantasy novel where we also drink cocktails inspired by the novel. We post YouTube videos of us making the cocktails and a lot of the times we even have the authors on including Dennis E. Taylor, Marissa Myers and even Angela Roquet. So join us because you don't want to miss the podcast that's been described as not taking ourselves too seriously. And with that we say stay Stay lively with your libations. Now, for those of you sticking around for the spoilers, here we go. All right, so our first question, which is not really a question, more of a nomination uh, we started doing in season two. The Badass Character Award goes to, I believe it's Lauren's turn to go first. So Lauren, who is the badass character? I'm glad I'm first because you guys are both assholes on this question. So um, I think that Kit gets nominated for the Badass Character Award because... She overcomes a lot of her trauma and a lot of her um, traumatic past to face her sister and resolve the the things that she's been through. And that takes bravery. So she is my nomination. My nomination goes to Hobo the cat. I think he was the most badass character I'm just kidding. So if I really had to pick someone, I would have to give it to Kit as well. Um, Just because she dove into the water like a total badass to save that idiot kid who like would have cracked his head. Well, who did actually crack his head open and almost bleed out to death. So, but for no other reason, just that she was like with it in that scene. That's pretty much why. 
So I, I also picked Kit uh, because of the scene Barbara mentioned uh, and uh, her the surfing that she likes to do. That, uh, But Lauren is correct. She did overcome some trauma in a roundabout way while pretending to look for her sister and enjoying a vacation. So Kit is our badass character for this book. Uh, moving on to the next question. What three words would you use to describe this book? Uh, and Barbara gets to go first. My three books or three words would be HGTV, eat, pray, and loving, and boring. That is not three words. <laughs> and one of them is made up. <laughs> you never said it had to be real words. <laughs> My three words uh, are slow, imagery, and unremarkable. My three words were elusive, emotional, and enjoyable. So Lauren, this was your question. Would you like us to explain why we chose these words or are we just going to give people three words and move on? Um, I mean, I think it's pretty clear what your words mean, but we can go into it. I mean, I was just going to talk about, I put, I picked imagery. That was one of my, a nice word. Uh, I do think that the author does a really good job throughout the book of painting a picture of what we're looking at. Like I felt like when she was describing like the natural scenes, especially both uh, in California and in uh in New Zealand, like I, I thought she did a really good job, like painting the picture. Um, and even when the other sister was HGTVing, I did feel like I had a good idea of what the house looked like because of the way that she described it. So I, I did want to give her props for that with that word. Barbara, do you care to expand on any of yours? I mean, Michael explained it HGTV, and like I knew more about that house than I really cared to. So that's why I said HGTV because I feel like that's pretty much all of her part of the story eat pray loving is pretty self-explanatory as well like the sister kit decided to take a trip to find her sister instead she ate real good food and don't get me wrong that was really nicely explained i enjoyed it i was googling these foods to see what it looked like it sounded delicious i'm not gonna complain about that i guess she didn't do much praying because she didn't seem the type either but you know it's the thing and loving she did a lot of loving that's really what her story was about and boring i just found it kind of boring Besides the, you know, food description. And it, I mean, she did describe everything really, really well, like uh, Michael mentioned. Yes, she did. Lauren, did you want to describe your words? Elusive, just because I feel like there was an intentional side plot, Barbara, of the eat, pray, love situation. Um, And so there were, that was used to kind of display that Kit was um, not emotionally ready to face the situation and was seeking kind of some distractions. And then it also served the purpose of providing her a support person during all of that. So I think that that was actually really well done. Um, And that was where the emotional piece came in because like we mentioned before, both sisters went through quite a bit of trauma. And so learning about that and learning about their childhood throughout the story was emotional and enjoyable and self-explanatory. I enjoyed it. Fair enough. So next question is one of our staples. What did you like about this book? What did you dislike? And was there a specific point in the story that really hooked you in? Uh, and I will take this one first. Um, so I, I liked some things about this book and I didn't like some things as well. Uh, the, the first two thirds of the book for me were kind of a slog. It, it opened with a bang, you know, missing sister going to find her, what's going to happen. Like it seemed like it was going to be exciting. And then literally until the last one third of the book, one sister is falling in love, but not because love sucks, man. And the other is remodeling a house. So with the exception of, you know, the, the, the few mentions of death and disappearance, I felt like I was switching the channel between two different reality TV shows. Um, the only moments in the first two thirds of the book that really shown for me was when we got a flashback because I feel like the author did a really good job in those scenes in opening up the character's depth and kind of understanding their background and where they came from. So I really liked those. Um, also overall the character or the character, the author does a great job describing the setting, like I said before, uh, which was a big highlight in the book for me. Auckland made for a great and beautiful backdrop for this otherwise mostly forgettable story. Lauren. Um, I was hooked initially when they saw the dead sister on the news after 15 years. Um, That was like, oh, okay, this is going to be interesting. And then it was a slow burn for me, too, um, really, until the sisters were reunited, which I can't remember if that was about halfway through or the last third-ish. It was the last Um, third-ish. It was literally the last. It was 80% in when they actually 
at least Kindle wise for me, it was 80% in. Yeah. So I think it was about the last third that, um, when they, I mean, I, I enjoyed, like I said, the eat, pray, loving with Javier. I think that that was a good side story. Um, so I didn't necessarily think that that was boring, but it didn't really pick up a lot for me until the sisters were reunited officially. Um, and then from then on, it was a page turner for me. Um, I really enjoyed the characters the author created. Each one was well thought out and we got decent backstories and character arcs, even for some of the supporting characters, which is always nice. And that doesn't always happen in books that we review. Um, so I did enjoy that even some of the supporting characters had nice character arcs. I'm a sucker for the character perspective chapter writing style, so I really enjoyed that also. I like I like that writing style. Uh, it was difficult for me to read some of the content, like when Josie was being assaulted by Billy. This was just really sad and troubling, and it really gives perspective uh, to why she led the life that she did. I don't have a lot of gripes about this book. Like I said, it was a slow burn, uh, but I think that's okay. Um, I was a little put off by the fact that Kit seemed to be on an eat, pray, love journey rather than finding her sister at first. But I think that there was valid reasoning behind this that was rooted in her own trauma. And I also enjoyed the side plot with Javier. Um, One thing I disliked about it was the relationship between Josie and Dylan. Um, I felt that Dylan knew she was a child. Um, He was kind of like a big brother or father figure on this to her for years and knew that she had issues as far as men goes. Um, And yet he still ended up being romantically involved with her. However, and I talked to Barbara about this throughout the while we were reading. He was redeemed for me at the end of the book um, when you find out that he was essentially taken advantage of by Josie and not the other way around um, and felt such guilt from the outcome of that that he took his own life. So um, I just think I think that it was well done. It could have been paced a little bit better um, for like the middle section where we're where HGTV mini pray living or whatever you want to call it. But um I do think it picked back up and I really, really liked the closure that we got. I enjoyed the setting of the book. I'm a sucker for other country settings and tend to research the country after reading a book set in like the places that they pick. So I really enjoy that. I think the author's descriptions for the most part were done really well. There were some instances when a description felt so out of place for me though, that it was like a record scratching in my mind and really removed me from the story. Some of my favorites, so I'm going to give examples. Some of my favorites are as follows. His legs are covered in black hair. Never have I ever wanted to know um, if someone had leg hair. It's just not something I I generally think about, you know. Or um, his mouth is as lush as plums. I can't say I've ever heard anyone describe someone's mouth. You haven't heard that? I've never. Maybe it's it's because I don't read these types of books. Maybe that's my problem. But no, I've never... um, Never read one quite like that one. Spreading my body over the top of his like icing on a cake. I enjoy a good cake. Can't say I've ever heard someone explain (laughs) being spread out like an icing though. Uh, So that was new for me. Maybe once again, it's just just type of book. Uh, Another one is I effing, can't say that word, but I effing missed you so much. She whispers fiercely like a kidney. Never have I ever described missing someone like a missed kidney. Maybe it's perhaps I have both of my kidneys and have yet to feel the loss of a kidney, but I can't <laughs> say if I ever was missing someone, I would describe it as such. That's a lie, Barbara. In our group chat, you told Michael you missed him like a kidney. <laughs> After reading that, that uh, yes. Was that all a lie? It, it was, Michael. It was because I don't know what that feels like. And then another one was, I love her like she's one of my own organs, my eyes or my heart. I can get behind the heart one. Not sure about my eyeballs or an organ, preferably. Like, I should, she should have just said, like, I missed her like my heart. Miss my heart. I don't know. I'm just saying it was very interesting descriptions. Besides a few of those, I really enjoyed the descriptions. Yes, Michael? Oh, I was just going to ask if you wouldn't miss your eyes if they were gone like that. I mean, I I guess so. It's just I find that a weird description. Like, most people don't. Oh, you would miss your eyes if you were gone. I mean, I guess if I could, like, was You know, Laura made it sound like a threat. Like, she's coming for your eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Good thing we live far away now, because that's an interesting threat there. I did find the bit... the book a bit boring to me mostly um i was expecting a story about a woman trying to figure out if her sister really was dead i didn't realize that we would find out that 
she wasn't dead literally by chapter two when we flip over to the other sister who's alive in Wells' perspective. I was not expecting that from the description of the book. I don't see what the mystery, mystery was in that regard. Uh, Kit's story was supposedly about her trying to find her missing sister, but read more like an eat, pray, love instead, which is fine. But girl, come on. You're only there to find your sister and you too, you're too busy learning about love. Like, okay, I get it. Um, the inclusion of Javier was fine. I did enjoy him as a character. Um, I did enjoy that side plot. I just wish she didn't pretend that she was out trying to gallivant, trying to find her sister, when really that wasn't the case whatsoever. Josie slash Mary's story is even worse, though. I really did not enjoy it. It's mostly just random HDTVing with her. Like, I do not care about the dumb house and how other windows will look nicer and what some old-ass plates can be sold for. Like, I do not care about that. That added nothing to the story whatsoever for me. I thought the mystery about the house would play a bigger role since it was always mentioned, but it really didn't. Uh, It was such a weak comparison between the two different sets of sisters that didn't really make sense to add that at all. What I did enjoy were the the flashbacks. I think that is where the book shined for me. Um, the, the relationship that it showed with their the two sisters, um, with Dylan and their parents were all like huge highlights for me. I really enjoyed that part of the book. I wish there was more of it. But uh, once they finally did meet up, which wasn't until very late in the book, like I mentioned earlier, um, it did get better though. That's where it actually picked up. But it shouldn't. I shouldn't have to wait eighty percent of a book to enjoy a book. Um, I just wanted more of their relationship in the present time, and we didn't really get much of that. And I also believe both women would benefit seeking some mental health help because they just really was like traumatized. The author put them through a lot of trauma, and we get a bits and pieces of it, and obviously how it's affecting them in their present current lives. All right. So moving on from there. Uh- Next question is, were you drawn more to one sister than the other? Um, And I believe it is Lauren's turn to start. Um, I was more drawn to Kit overall, uh, which I think is by design, because most of the story circles around her um, are kind of following her journey more than we are um, Mari slash Josie or Mary or whatever you want to call her. Yeah. Um, Was it Mari or Mary? It was Mari on the audio book. I read it as Mari. And then Michael said it was Mary. So I was like, oh, okay, it's Mary. I was just going off of how they were pronouncing it on the audio book. But once we got to know Josie or Mari more towards the end, I felt that I could empathize with her struggles. And I really started to be drawn into her storyline more. So I don't know that there was necessarily one that I would say that I was more drawn to. Probably Kit overall, but um, both of them, I guess. So I was drawn more to... Kit, I feel like she was a bit better. Even with her prancing around with Javier, at, at least that was better to me than like Josie or Mari's redecorating subplot that that I felt was all about her. Um, she did get better. Um, Josie did get better for me once we learned more about her, um, albeit predictable uh, past. But like I said, what I enjoyed more about the sisters were their the flashbacks to their story. So I think Kit's was a little bit better for me. So I was more drawn to Kit. uh, And I think that's just because her story was more interesting. Um, For me, Mari's chapters uh, were just her working on her house. Her story, to be honest, was like super boring until we got to the reunion. And then all of a sudden those chapters became more interesting. Um, But otherwise I, I was more drawn to Kit, um, hearing about, you know, her relationship with her mom and the stuff that she's gone through. And then the story with Javier was interesting as well. Um, there was just a lot more, a lot more there, uh, than there was in Mari's chapters until the end. So next question, Josie lets her family think she has died in a terrorist attack, all to think or all to have the chance to start her life over again without any ties to her past. While one person might find this effort extreme, another person may see it as justified. How far would you go to reinvent your life? Barbara? I wouldn't go that far. Like Lauren's going to mention, I am a firm believer that everything I have been through and experienced has shaped me into the person I am today, regardless of it being good or bad. I feel like if you spend your whole life wondering about the what ifs, you just drive yourself mental and miss out on, on the present and what's going on. So, I mean, I I do understand why Josie or Mari went to those extremes, though, given everything that she'd been through and feeling like she had no support system. I just personally 
I don't think I would ever go that far to just break ties from my past. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in the same boat there. I think that Josie going to this extent is a little extreme. Um, I get why she did it. Like Barbara said, just because of the, uh, you know, everything going on in her life and the things that she'd gone through. I think she saw this as like the only way for her to really get a clean slate. And I guess it did let her get one until hell in the form of kit came knocking. Um, and so, I mean, I, I get why she did it. I just think it's a little extreme. The, the only time I feel like I would go to this extreme to reinvent my life would, would not really be to reinvent my life, but would be to protect people. Uh, so like if for some reason, I don't know. Somebody really wanted to kill me, um, and that was just going to happen. And if uh, if it if it didn't, then my family might be at risk. Then I might, you know, fake my death and get out of the picture just to protect the people that I love. But that's the only situation I was able to come up with as to when I would go to the same extreme that Josie did. Yeah, I would not want to reinvent my life. Um, I'm a believer that everything that I've been through has served a greater purpose. Um, and if I not had the experiences that I have, I would not lead the life that I have now. So while I can certainly empathize with Josie and her decision, I feel like it's incredibly extreme. Um, and if she would have had the support in place as a child or adolescent, she could have avoided feeling like that was her only option. I think that she ended up doing that due to a lack of coping skills to an extent and a lack of support system. Um, it's unfortunate, but it's not far-fetched in the realm of addictions and childhood trauma that people do go to great lengths to escape feelings of discomfort. So I do empathize with her. What do you think about Kit finding love with Javier during this tumultuous time? Was he too much of a distraction for her, or was he key in her ability to find a path to healing? Oh, pick me, pick me. <clears throat> Fine, you're picked. I loved the side plot with Javier. I think that Kit needed to let her hair down and live a little, and getting out of her monotonous day-to-day -day life allowed her to loosen up and let herself have some fun and feel happy. And just a change of scenery sometimes can can allow for that. So I think that she really struggled with allowing herself the freedom to feel happy or carefree in her daily life. And I think that the author did a great job of creating an arc for her character to allow her some growth in that area. I do think that she was maybe a bit too distracted at times, um, but she also had her own trauma and was dreading finding her sister and mentioned that on multiple occasions. She's like, you know, I really should get back to finding my sister, but I really don't know if I want to find her. Like she... She was feeling very conflicted about finding her in general. So I think that that kind of um, d explained some of the eat, pray, loving that Barbara had a gripe about was she, because of her trauma and because of how upset she was that her sister would fake her death and just because of not wanting to face up to the past, she really didn't want to find her. Um, and so I think that having this side plot was kind of paramount to her finding her way back and having that support person to kind of help her walk through some of that. Um, I think it happened in its own time and allowed her to have, have Javier there. Um, and I think that was essential to her journey. And I Barbara, what about you? Um, I'm torn on my feelings about this. I, I found it a little too convenient that their love story unraveled the way it did, but that's not the author's fault. Um, that's a gripe I have with any romance trope. So without Javier, I don't think um, Kit would have been as open to accepting Josie slash Mari back into her life. So that was obviously needed. But I do think she was a little too distracted with him at times. Like 90% of the time she was hanging out with him instead of really looking for her sister. And I do get that she didn't really want to find her sister or she felt torn about whether she wanted to realize if her sister was alive or not. Cause at this point she still doesn't know if she is alive or not. We as readers obviously have reader privilege in that sense, but she does not. So I just find it. I just found it interesting that like, I think it was two days in and she's like, Oh, I really should be looking for her instead of hanging out with you, Javier. So it's kind of a oops on her part. I did kind of find it weird that that kind of what was what she did because for someone who is described as like a no nonsense kind of person that the author did in the beginning to set up how Kit was as a, an adult, I felt that was really kind of out of character for her. And I get that that's what she's fighting through, especially when she first, first meets Javier. She's like, Oh, can't, 
can't date him, like all these red flags and not in the like red flags as a stereotypical female, you would realize red flags. Like it's real red flags in the sense that he checks all the boxes that she wants. And so she doesn't want to date or fraternize with someone who is actually good for her versus just a, a fling, which is what she has done in the past. And I also wished that she came to the realization of being able to rely and trust people again on her own instead of needing a man to teach her that. I feel like he was convenient in that sense, but, and that's once again, nothing wrong with Javier. He was an amazing, I think a little, maybe too perfect of a man, but, uh, (laughs) but that's (laughs) as Lauren fans herself over here. But um, I, I get why that was included. I just kind of wished she kind of went through a self journey as well, instead of having him teach her that life and love isn't everything that she was taught up until that point. So you wanted a true eat, pray, love where it's all about self discovery. Exactly. I did. She, she did eat and love, not so much the self praying. So that's, I do have a question though. So if you, if she would have found a female friend and that would have served as the support person, would your feelings be the same? Um, like rather than a romantic relationship, but she met somebody and, um, I don't know because I feel like she's described as like her life literally she doesn't she didn't seem to have any friends like it just was work hobo the cat taking care of mom and surfing so I feel like she didn't even have friends so I feel like it would be the same even if she like said she met like a guy or a girl regardless and it was just the friendship aspect of it and they're the ones who helped her figure that out I would still be a little disappointed that she didn't have that self discovery. I wanted her to do that herself and not have someone pointing her. Um, Although honestly, I feel like he didn't even point her. He like demanded for for her to look (laughs) at. It would be one thing if it was like, Hey, like point, point, point. It was more like grab face, turn bitch. This is what you need to be looking at type thing. So I think that's kind of where my gripe lies with that. So I don't think my, even if it was a romantic, if it was even a friendship, I think I would feel the same way where I would be a little disappointed that she didn't realize that herself. Fair enough. And Michael doesn't have anything to say on this one. Cause I do have something to say on this one. I, uh, so <laughs> Let's see how, I mean, how much he can steal from us, Lauren. I'm not going to steal anything from you. It's going to be a pretty short response, but I, so I liked the story with Javier and Kit. I just didn't, it felt out of place a little bit here. Like, and I guess I was thinking about, I would, Barbara actually put it into great words. I didn't think about the word reader privilege, um, but uh, but effectively that's what it is. It's like I was thinking like, well, we you know, Kit doesn't know that Josie's alive or dead, or if like she's she doesn't know she's like living her best life with a husband and kids. Like she could be like in a shack in some psychopath's backyard that got abducted after the terrorist attack, and like she's waiting for someone to come and save her. And so like, can you imagine like at the end of this book, like Kit's like, well, you know. While I was trying to find you, I found the love of my life. And it's like, oh, well, I was tied up in a shack. Like, what the hell? Like, so I don't know. I feel like the, the point of her being there was to look for the sister. And Javier was was a pretty big distraction. Um, but like Lauren said, like, it seemed like she didn't want to find her. And I think Javier was a justification to be distracted, too. But without the <laughs> without all the other implications of, uh, you know, being in the country to look for someone, uh, I thought it was, an, it was a good love story. Like, it was interesting to read their story together. That was that was, it was nice. But um it just felt a little bit like okay come on like let's let's get back to finding your sister like you're supposed to be but uh that was just me i just feel like i was bamboozled like i thought it was going to be a sister trying to find the other sister and all the sisterly relationship and we got a romantic relationship and the sister the other sister not really i don't know what the other sister's doing hgtv in her house i don't really know even how to describe mari's chapters get both barbara you got the sister finding the sister but then you also got the romance piece and then you got the reuniting piece but not really because all those stuff was like sidelined and barely in the book like i don't mind the love aspect if i would have known going into this book that this was going to be about love i would have been completely fine with that well i I could have told you that well i didn't i thought it was going to be a, a mystery about finding her sister and oh. I guess maybe I didn't read more, more into that. I guess that's my bad for being an idiot. Hmm. I, I, that's a valid point. I The description of the book definitely makes it seem like it's going to be all about like sisters reconnecting and all that. And 
you get a lot more uh, romance than sister connection. But was the book the right length? Were there any parts you wanted the author to expand on or sections you thought should be shorter? Yeah, um, I wanted the meetup between the two sisters to happen sooner. Obviously, I feel like I, that's my one of my bigger gripes about it. I love the books about sister dynamics. And I feel like we got a lot of that when they were younger, but not nearly enough of it during the present time. So I, I could have had more of that and way less of the whole home remodeling aspect of the book, to be honest with you. So I thought the book was the right length, I guess. Um, but like Barbara said, I, I feel very similarly. Like I, I wanted more of the sister's rekindling the relationship. I wish that had happened at more like the halfway point instead of the two thirds into the book point. Um, I actually, instead of having less of the home renovation, I would have preferred up until the reunion happened to just only have Kit's perspective because then it would have been a mystery. Like, is Mary out there? What's she doing? Will you, will, will Kit find her? Like her chapters until the reunion are just mostly pointless. Like with the exception of the flashbacks that you get, which, I liked those. They're interesting. They gave some insight into the, like their childhood and stuff, but 90% of the chapter was not flashback. 90% of the chapter is her saying, what thing should I put in this sconce and what color should I paint this wall? And it's just like, oh my God, her chapters were awful. I would cut them out entirely until the reunion. And I would have had the reunion move up to half point. Uh, and then I think the book would have been a lot better. Cause that for me, that was when the book got interesting was when the reunion happened and then it seemed like that happened and then it was over. Uh, and I would have liked to have more of that. Hell, I would have been taking more love story from Kit and Javier. Like let's keep get like get some more yummy food mentioned in there. I'm down for that. <laughs> some, some spicy sex scenes that were kind of mentioned. Hey, I'm all down for that stuff. Like not down for boring old HDTV lady. Yeah, I think that the length was good. It was a slow burn for me, too. Um, but I think that everything was relatively necessary to get backstory and create the characters. The only thing that I do think could be removed is I agree with Michael and Barbara and whoever else thinks that the HGTV thing was Begrudgingly, done. you agreed? I, no, I mean, because I feel like I just found myself kind of tuning out during those chapters because it was the audiobook. So for, like, the sister doing her, like, HGTV, I, I thought it was interesting and kind of important to build her character so that you could see like her she's living her best life and she's like bougie and she's like you know whatever she's doing but I don't think we needed as much of that necessarily it would have been nice to maybe see more we got to see a couple scenes with her kids which was nice um to kind of say oh like she's got a whole family going like she's you know um so I thought that that was it could it could have been done better with having more the focus be on getting to know her family dynamics. And like, that's that part. If we're going to have her chapters from her perspective, rather than spending so much time on focusing on the remodeling. But um, I also think that it could have lended well to the story to not even have her, um, the Josie Mari character introduced from that perspective until later in the book too. That would have been, because then you're still at least wondering for longer than just a few chapters if she really is alive. I mean, it was pretty obvious the way that they described it in the beginning, where they were like, you know, there it was like a it was a scar or a tattoo or something. Yeah, that was scar. Yeah, that was like super identifiable. Very dis- yeah, very distinct on her face. Yeah, so. so you pretty much knew she was alive, right? But I don't know. I think that the chapters written from her perspective would have maybe been more valuable or more interesting to the reader if it were expanding more on her family and learning about like her life outside of just remodeling the house. I would have been down for that too. Just like more of her family dynamic with her husband and her two kids and stuff like that. That would have been honestly better for me. Yep. Same. So who is your favorite character and why? For me, this question was hard to this to the point like if the two people that are doing this with me didn't they're looking at the notes and that, I didn't even answer it. Like I, I don't know. I didn't really have. I didn't really like enough any, any of the characters enough to have a favorite character. I think if I did pick one, it would be Kit because I thought that her story was more interesting of the, of the characters that were present as far as main characters go. I feel like you you really got to know her a lot more than you did Josie slash Mary and. Um, and I, I did enjoy her story, uh, even the Ypres loving parts of it, uh, the fr- as frustratingly distracting as it was from uh, 
the rest of the you know the the intention but yeah, I mean, Kit would be my favorite character, and it's just because I think we got to see more of her arc and growth um, and past, and so I, I enjoyed her. So it was a toss-up between Kit and Josie if I had to pick a favorite character. And that being said, there's literally not a single thing that I did not like about Javier. So he really probably should have been my favorite, but since he was more of a side character, like I literally went like went back and thought like. Is there anything I did not like about him? Any gripes? Nope. Javier should have had the badass character. But anyway, um, so it's a toss-up between Kit and Josie. Um, I can relate to them both. I feel like they have they both have great character development and arcs. Um, I feel like I like them both equally by the end, to be honest. I liked Kit more throughout because, like I said, you know, uh, Josie's slash Mari's remodeling chapters were a little bit dull, but um, it picked up quite a bit at the end. Uh, I also really liked Javier and what he brought to the story. I love him. Call me Javier. <laughs> You're sipping hard for him. <laughs> um, so who is my favorite character? Hobo, Kit's cat. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, honestly, I don't really have a favorite character um, per se. I didn't think either of the sisters had distinct voices. And so... As an FYI, this was written in a first-person perspective and switched between the two sisters, between the chapters. It was pretty obvious whose chapter you were on because of the name on the top, obviously, but and what they were doing, you know, Eat, Pray, Loving versus HGTV. But, like, outside of those two very distinct things, you don't really get a sense of who they were as individuals, except for in the flashbacks, where I feel like that's when you really do learn how they are very different from each other. That was just kind of how I feel like the author helped you realize how they were shaped as adults and why they did the things they did in current times. As I guess in a long-winded answer, if I had to choose, I I enjoyed Javier and his squishy middle. And uh, you would get that reference if you read the book. Yes. Back to that other podcast that I don't want to be a part of. Um, Simping over men. <laughs> yep. Well, happened last time too. Okay, let's see. Moving on from there, let's talk about Dylan. Um, Dylan served many purposes throughout the book and meant different things to different characters. How did you feel about him, and did the ending change your feelings at all? Um, I feel that he was broken himself, uh, but that's no excuse for some of the things that happened. While I do feel like his character was redeemed a bit at the end, um, I still really struggled to like him on the whole, like as a character. Um, I liked him a lot when he was just an older brother or man of the house figure for the girls. He was the only constant thing in their lives. Um, and they mentioned, I think, I think it might've been mentioned from both sisters perspectives in a flashback at one point or another that before the romantic feelings happened with Mari, Josie, that Dylan was kind of a constant, a consistent support for them. He took care of them. Um, I loved him for that early on. Then when it's introduced that Josie was sexually attracted to him and he allowed it and did not just shoot her down immediately, I was disgusted. Um, but, I mean, looking back also, he did tell her, like, no, and you're a kid and different things. So um, she told him she would watch him have sex and that it made her feel good, which was super disturbing. And she was just a kid and he knew that she had trauma and he knew that she was acting out sexually, but he did not report that to anyone or get her any help which was bothersome to me. And also I feel like he, what did he do? Either of you remember what he even said when she told him that she was watching him have sex? Like, he's like, how many times have you watched me? Like, I don't think he ever said like, you don't, you shouldn't do that. No, he didn't. He was just kind of like, okay. And like weirded out. Yeah. And didn't really like acknowledge the fact that she just literally said that she, he kind of just was like, okay, moving on. Yeah. I feel like at that point that he, something should have been said to an adult or got her some help, or for 100% sure he should have been like, that's inappropriate, like, you need to not do that. So I felt like once he knew about her feelings, he should have never even hung out with her alone after that, like, let alone continue to drink with her and get high or whatever they were doing, smoking, drinking, all that. Um, Then when Josie gets him drunk and high and throws herself at him, he does not say no. Now I understand that she initiated it, and he was really the one that was taken advantage of in that situation, which is technically rape regardless of gender norms, because um, he, if he was inebriated to the point that he couldn't consent or, you know, whatever, and then that's that's what it was. Um, so this allowed me to give Dylan some grace because it was clear that this was not what he wanted um, and it was not his intention. And so I just feel like he should not have been alone with her to begin with. But 
like knowing that he was, she was attracted to him and knowing that she had the issues that she had, but it does not excuse Josie's behavior and what happened. Um, she should not have done what she did either. So when I discovered that he completed suicide because of the guilt he felt from having sex and impregnating Josie and about the whole abortion, I was just gutted. Um, it was emotional for me on many levels. His character arc and storyline was flushed out well, and I ultimately ended up liking him more at the end than I did previously. Yeah, he was definitely a very interesting character. I think he was one of the ones that was flushed, flushed out, flushed out the most. But I was suspicious, suspicious of him the entire time because I felt like there was definitely some undertones on what happened between him and Josie slash Mari early on. And I guessed that she would get impregnated by him. Like that was one of my assumptions that that's what happened because early on she mentions like kind of touching her stomach at one point in scene and seeing all this blood. And I was like, oh, that probably something happened and she lost a the baby or something happened. Um, the way she always remembered him was also really different to how enduring her chapters to how Kit remembered him in her chapters. He obviously was just another trouble kid in the trio of trouble kids in the story. Uh, it was interesting to see how different his relationship was between Kit and Josie. He really was like an older brother slash like parental figure since their own parents couldn't be bothered to take care of them. Like, I, I believe, like, how Lauren mentioned that he was pretty much the one who, like, forced them to go to school and, like, shower regularly and brush their teeth and look presentable, whereas their parents could not even be bothered to take care of them. So, obviously, he was a great influence in that regard to them. But he was also just a mess messed up kid as well so with his own like crippling issues and it's, it's kind of hard to blame him for not doing anything about what was going on but i still think as soon as he realized something had happened to josie he should have spoken up about it uh but i do get at the end of this, at the same time their parents were so neg neglectful to begin with um i feel like he didn't really trust them or think they'd be much help even if he had said something, especially because I feel like he didn't really have a great relationship with any other adult. Like he hasn't had that experience where adults should be adulting correctly and taking care of these kids. So he probably was like, well, what's the point? They're not going to do anything anyways. I do think maybe he should have gone above the parents and told authorities or like a doctor or somebody. But like at the same time, I understand once again, because he probably doesn't have that relationship with an adult that he doesn't realize that they can actually be helpful at times. So when Josie started exhibiting sexual attraction to him, uh, like mentioning she enjoyed watching him have sex, he should have made it very clear there was a line to their relationship at that point, like Lauren mentioned. I think he let it blur by letting it continue in the same vein and not saying anything in regards to it. Yeah, 100%, Josie did take advantage of him when they did end up having sex. Like, rape is rape, since she knew what she was doing. And it intentionally inebriated him so he would say yes. And he obviously hated himself so much so at what transpired that he ended his own life, uh, which is really sad. And overall, his extreme his story is really, really sad. And ending definitely changed my opinion of him because before I was a little like eh, about him in the beginning and then warmed up to him. And then we found out what happened with him and between him and Josie. And I was like, eh, and then you find out why he was dead because you don't really know until the very end that he uh took his own life because of what happened between him and Josie so I honestly I think his story is better than the other two sisters oops because uh, it's very interesting but it's a, a sad story yeah I definitely agree with that last thing you said Barbara I I really liked Dylan's story but it was also a, a super heartbreaking story uh, somehow like more so every time we got a new nugget of information about him it just was even sadder than we already knew before which was already super sad and i, I just i spent a lot of the book feeling feeling awful for him i'm glad that the three of them found each other and uh, in, in a lot of ways because i think when the girls were younger like barbara said like he was he was like dad slash brother slash everything like he he gave their lives you know, a bare minimum sense of normalcy that their parents weren't giving them. I think that maybe early on that Kit and Josie both saw him the same way. Um, somewhere along the line, obviously that changed for Josie and she was attracted to him, which that was 
kind of a, an awkward part of a story, but I mean, it. I get it. I think that it, it, it should have, like both of you guys said, he, he should have, when he found out that it was, she was clearly attracted to him when she told him that he was, she was watching him have sex with all these, all these random women. He should have been like, Hey, like that's like, they should have had a longer conversation about like how that's wrong. And like how, like, I like, he's just like, I'm your brother. Like you shouldn't be looking at me like that. Or like, there should have been a line drawn there. Or he could have talked to their parents or I don't, I mean, that's a wasted thing to say though. Right. Cause the parents are worthless. Um, what are they going to do? Um, so I, I don't know. He he could have done something though that that would have made it clear that like, hey, this isn't okay. But he didn't, and uh, things kind of kept just kind of spiraling out of control from there. And the whole scene on the beach where they ended up having sex um, was not great either, because like she did take advantage of him and got him drunk. And on one hand, like that's terrible, but on the other hand, like maybe after what had transpired and he found out how she felt about him, maybe they shouldn't have been in that situation either. Like he shouldn't have put himself in that situation. That makes sense. Like he probably shouldn't have been spending alone time with her, like drinking and stuff like that. If he knew that that's how she felt about him, but then like to know what came out of that and that, you know, she got pregnant and then he died and, um, he, he completed suicide because of like the guilt that he felt because he obviously saw her like a sister and, but he still let this happen. And it was just this whole thing. So yeah, I, I, I really liked his character arc in the sense that I think it was really well-written. A lot of the stuff we find out about Dylan was painful to read, but I, I really liked his character. Um, yeah, I just wanted to add to that, that we want to be careful and sensitive about victim shaming with situations of rape and whatnot. I also think that it's just important for listeners who have maybe had experiences to know that regardless of the situation that you put yourself in, it's not your fault. So um, as yeah. as much as I think that um, he probably shouldn't have been spending alone time with her, he probably also thought that like, that's his sister and that's somebody that he feels safe with. Right. And that that's, you that's know, true. somebody that like, it wasn't handled well because neither of them are mentally healthy. But I think that saying that, he shouldn't have been in the Put situation in that position. Yeah. I Which I'm not saying that. that you're, I'm not saying you're being malicious about it, Michael. I just want for listeners to clarify that that is not what we're um, talking about. I, I don't think any of us are, would support uh, language that would suggest shaming victims of sexual assault. He, he probably would, didn't even think that she would have gone that far to like, no, probably get not. him, you know, like he, he, he was like, Oh yeah. Like she's, like previously she was trying to flirt with him and he rebuffed her completely. He was like, Hey, this is not okay. What are you doing? Yeah. He so said, he probably, you're, you're a kid kid. Yeah. So he probably wasn't like thinking in the back of his mind, like she's got nefarious thoughts of seducing me. Like, you know, like a little 14 yeah. year old probably thought, you know, like, cause that's what she was. So that probably never crossed his mind. So I don't think he would have been like, Oh, better not ever hang out with her again. Cause it's going to happen. Like that wouldn't have crossed his mind. Yeah. yeah, that's true. And I, I didn't have any malicious intent with what I was saying. I um, I think that he probably thought that maybe he thought that their conversation that they had was enough and that she, him saying that, saying what he said, and then also rebuffing her advance when they were sober was enough. And like, yeah. they could just go back to normal because obviously the things that they were doing that day on the beach were normal for them. That was stuff that they did and yeah. it was all fine before. So. I mean, yeah. it's not fine to be smoking weed. At well, time. with a younger, <laughs> I don't remember what their actual age. I mean, it's not really hurting anybody, like for them to do what teenagers. I know. Do, I'm but. just kidding. Well, they they could did cocaine, and that's like, well, uh, well she was yeah. 14, I believe, 14 or 15, and he isn't much older because I think he lied about his age. Yeah, I was going to say because he was basically there. parenting them, and he was only a couple years older than right. Them. I think he was either four or five years older. I think only, even though he pretended when he first yeah. met them that he was much older. So. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that the younger. the whole situation is shitty, and I think that you know it's it's like we have seen in in other books where females are the the victim to that, and it's just just with the role reversal thing, it's it, the same thing goes for. For that, and I, I feel like a lot of people would say, like, I wished I wasn't in that the situation that you were in. Um, but regardless of the situation that you end up in or put yourself in, it's still not not okay. So, but anyway, I know you didn't mean that. I just wanted to clarify for listeners. I no, I, I appreciate the clarification, and I appreciate you calling me out for that. That's appreciated. So. So, final question: uh, What did you guys think of the ending? Was the ending satisfying? 
Um, it felt a little rushed for me. I'm glad everyone got a quote-unquote happy ending, but I felt like it was rushed. The author made a point to include a whole chapter on how Simon, Josie slash Mari's husband, hates liars and to the point where like it was a whole freaking scene chapter in the like in the very beginning and we just kind of get this tiny scene where he wants a divorce which was kind of lame of him um, instead of just talking to her but it is what it is um after he learns about her real past and then she pretty much convinces him not to do it and that's it like it's we don't get any more of that and obviously they're still together when they come and surprise kit like i think it was a month or two months or something like that after the fact so, I mean, I know that they're working on it and stuff, but I, it would have been more like that would have been more interesting than HDD being the house for me personally. How is she going to fix her marriage? Because, yeah, it was lame of, of Simon to like just want to s- divorce like straight up without learning about everything and her history and all that stuff. But like he also has a point to be mad at her because she did lie to him about her whole past and that probably would have explained a lot of probably the PTSD that she was suffering. Um, Cause as much as you want to pretend that stuff didn't happen to you, that stuff bleeds into your daily life. So that probably would have explained a lot for him. So I would have liked to see that. Um, and that's the same thing with like Javier um, and Kit, like they're in love with each other, but you know, have no idea how they're going to work since she lives in America and him in Spain, I believe. So the author hinted that Kit was done with like her ER job and rotation and all that stuff, but didn't really give much on this either. So I would have liked to have known kind of like what the strategy would be for them. I feel like the author wanted to give everyone a happy ending, but didn't really know how. So she just settled on, well, it it ended well for everyone trope. So, okay. I wasn't very satisfied with that. The who murdered the previous owner subplot was worthless to me. So much so that it literally had a little throwaway line on who actually murdered the sister at like literally, I think, the end of the book. And it was just like, oh, well, yeah, the husband ended up doing it. And the sister kind of knew and kind of not egged it on. But like she told him about the affair that the other sister was having. I know it's kind of confusing because it's like they were together, but he was married. So he was cheating on his wife and then she cheated on him with someone else. It was like confusing. And the sister, the younger sister, single lied. paragraph, right? Exactly. Like, I'm impressed the- that you even remember all of that because I literally oh, read yeah. it and it like went one year on the other. Like I didn't really <laughs> care about that part. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because I was invested. I thought this was going to, something was going to happen. So I was like, Oh, must know everything. And like, uh, the younger sister liked the dude too. I think his name was George or something like that. Uh, so she secretly liked him. So she thought that if she told, him that the other the older sister with the house that she was cheating on him that he would break up with her and fall in love with her obviously that did not happen he just went and murdered her sister so like oopsie daisy so okay but like like i said that's all we learned it was such a throwaway it was such uh i was so pissed about that obviously um anyways i just felt like the she was the author was trying to like show the differences and parallels between the two sets of sisters I feel like, like, hey, this is what happens when you don't communicate with your sister when this happens versus, like, forgiving your sister and kind of grounds to start, like, rehashing your relationship and all that jazz. But it just kind of fell flat and was worthless to me, even though I remembered all of it. (laughs) I was going to say, it must not have been that worthless since you just recited the entire plot. So it was worthless. Barbara also remembers everything, though. Like when <laughs> it was, it stuff. was worthless in the sense that I genuinely was invested in this story. Like I was like, not the only parts that I enjoyed about Josie's chapters were obviously her flashbacks, getting to know what happened about her past, and then this because I was like, there has to be a reason why <laughs> this house is being mentioned and this subplot of this murder story is being mentioned, and there was not. And so I got angry. So that's why I invested all this time trying to figure out the who done it, and it didn't matter. Yeah, I like literally listened to that section and I just forgot it as soon as I listened because it literally just could have been taken out entirely. Oh, 100%. And not have. even been there. But Nope. Yeah. I mean, I think the ending was satisfying. I don't know if it's my turn, but I'm going to talk anyway. Um, I enjoyed the ending and how everything was wrapped up. I like things, stories that are wrapped up with a nice little bow. Michael, stop crying. You're fine. 
I know happily ever after stories are not always representative of reality. And some people dislike when stories are wrapped in a neat bow. Um, I do not feel that this bow was neat necessarily, uh, but it was at least tied up in a satisfying way. I really liked that practically every character had a solid arc, like I said a couple times, and closure of some sort. So we pretty much got closure on each of the characters. It wasn't like some of the stories that you picked where um, you get to the end and then you're like, what the hell happens? Like, we don't even know where the characters end up or like certain characters that are main main characters that like we just don't know, have any kind of fleshed out anything with them. So I did really appreciate that from the author. Um, I also really liked that the subplot with Javier ended up being weaved in and we got a glimpse of a future there as well because I was a little bit worried that it would end up being just a holiday fling, but I was glad that their relationship continued because I think that they were good for each other. Um, the only thing that I think could have been left out, like Barbara mentioned, and I said already, was the subplot about the house and the backstory. I think that I get why the author included it, but I just felt that it took me out of the story some, and I feel like it would be just as good if it were left out entirely. And then to kind of talk about what Barbara said a little bit more, I thought over and over about the deal with Simon and like if it were my situation and James just like came home one day and had a long lost brother show up and like our entire relationship like 10 years was just built on a lie would I be able to just like get past that and I thought about it for a long time and like it would be super difficult so I can understand why he's like nope want a divorce like you can lie about your whole freaking life and it's like but I don't know because you love that person so much and your whole life is built around them. And so it's like, it, it would be really, really hard. Right. I'm not saying it shouldn't be, but like, I feel like he jumped to the divorce well, yeah. real quick. <laughs> like he was just like, nope, here. Like it's life isn't so black and white. And I feel like that's how he lived his life was like, you that's lied, true. you're dead to me, yeah. you know? And, and it's not like that. Her situation is very in the gray side. Like I understand what she did what she did was that right of her no i'm not condoning what she did to him like 100 percent, she started their relationship in the light but like they have kids to consider they yeah. have like obviously he loves her in the sense like that part you can't well i guess maybe you can fake it i don't know but right like, yeah you know <laughs> so i feel like it's more complicated than just you lie divorce it's like okay well, no it on. for sure it for sure is i think that it was a rash thing that he did, but I also thought, like, put myself in that situation, and I'm like, man, I don't know what my oh, initial yeah, reaction would be. Would be. I was like, <laughs> if Michael, like, came out and, like, all this stuff, I was like, what uh, the heck? No, we definitely would be seeing someone. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay, Michael, you can talk now. So, may I speak? Okay, yeah, just, uh, <clears throat> so... I mean, I thought the ending was a little rushed. I think that's probably not surprising for me to say since I told you that I thought their book really picked up at two thirds of the way through. But I didn't like exactly what Lauren said, the whole like everything's tied up in a bow and happily ever after and perfect. And I just thought the author went out of her way to tell a story that was like illustrating like how broken people are. And then at the end, to just give us like this cheesy, happy ending felt like a ripoff, like I don't know. <clears throat> Something bad well, should have happened. Like Dylan have didn't have been... a happy ending. Michael did he? Okay. Oh, damn. Wow. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, I mean, no, no, he didn't have a happy ending. And to that, to that end, <laughs> neither did the woman who owned the house that Barbara was obsessing over the mystery over. But exactly. So there the was main a characters of the story there was a had a happy ending. There was a bow that was tied, but it wasn't neat. Their um, marriage for was the main characters. Fit. There was actually <laughs> these are side characters. Dylan was a very said, pretty main character. Eh. Eh. <laughs> For Kit and Josie and their families, they had a nice, happy, bow-wrapped ending. I mean, there, there could have even been like some more ambiguity about Javier. I thought that's how it was going to be until he just showed up at her mom's house. Like the perfect, beautiful man he is. No, no one's perfect like that. That's why I choose to ignore that. Lauren this, calls. This uh, book... Lauren calls James Javier when no one else is around. I do. <laughs> this... I go. I tell. I, I mean, they both start with J's, right? <laughs> <laughs> this book is literally written in a female perspective of what we want in a male. This is it. Like there is he can nothing. cook. He's right. great in bed. He's not overly like 
buff so you don't feel bad, bad about yourself. There's not <laughs> like, a bad thing about Javier. He can sing. He's emotionally like available. Uh-huh. He's emo like he's in tune with his emotions. All he's the things. This is literally like this is literally what women want. She wrote the perfect ideal man, and that's and just why, it is, it, why is that not it is women's literature? It is so enjoyable to read about the perfect it, man. It is, it is defined as women's literature or chick lit, so that she nailed the put hit the nail on the head, I guess. Maybe as a man on the podcast, I should just shut up and move on. You but, really should, Michael, because are you yeah. a Javier? Nope, maybe I am. I have to ask Barbara, she's the one that's dating me. So, <laughs> <I believe the fifth. laughs> what'd you say? Sorry, I said I plead the fifth. <laughs> so moving on from there let's give our individual scores uh we'll just go in order like we always do barbara what was your score for when we believed in mermaids so it's a 6.5 for me it's not awful it wasn't my favorite either so 6.5 um i gave this one a seven and that was because i really had very few gripes about it um other than kind of some of the pacing and the un un not useful lot about the murder house um and just some of the hgtv stuff like i just i really enjoyed it it was a nice beach read and i don't have access to a beach i wish i did um but this would be like a perfect book to read at the lake or on the beach and just like forget about your world for a little bit and yes even you know fantasize about an ideal situation that is not realistic in reality. F- fantasize about Javier, you mean? <laughs> so you mean you, no. you say that like, and then earlier you mock like sci-fi and fantasy as if that's not reading about literally another world to escape your world. But I mock I certain things about sci-fi and fantasy that are not. If if you can give me a good sci-fi book with a solid romance plot side plot then maybe i would enjoy that but all of the sci-fi books are like not all the ones that we've read anyway are like a little inkling of like romance but then mostly just like death and dying and make a post lauren and ask our listeners to recommend a fantasy or sci-fi book that has a nice little bit of spice for you spicy Put it out there in the world and see if one of our listeners has a recommendation and we'll read it. Because I know there are dystopian novels that I've read that have nice romantic sides. I feel like it's more YA books that have that are fancy and dystopian that have that romance subplot. That's why I like reading Probably. YA fantasies. Yeah, because, um, never mind, I'm not going to say that that's too. <laughs> anyway, my score for this book was a 6 out of 10 um, because it was not the worst thing that I've read. Um, and... It, you know, there were parts of it that I liked, like the last third of it. So I, I couldn't, because I enjoyed the last third of the book, I felt like it wasn't fair to totally like rip it and give it a terrible score. So six out of 10 is where I ended up. Uh, with those three scores, our average, like I said before, for our group score for this one was 6.5 out of 10. And yeah, we've reached the end of another episode. Uh, so as always, thank you guys so much for listening. We are Badass Literature Society. Hopefully you liked the episode. If you did, uh, let us know. Leave us a like. Uh, leave us a uh, rating and a review. Comment. Apple Podcasts, Tell Spotify, everyone. all that stuff. Tell Wherever you friends. listen, Tell your friends. do it. Uh, if you've got a book recommendation, hop on our social media on Facebook or Instagram. Let us know. Lauren, uh, our handle in both places. Lauren is Again. looking for a romantic sci-fi a fantasy. A steamy please. sci-fi. A steamy sci-fi. So if you've got that book for Lauren, throw it out there on our Insta so that we can add it to our list. Um, our handle there is at badass lit pod. And with that, we'll see you guys next month when we read 13 by Steve Cavanaugh. I'm Michael. I'm Barbara. This is Lauren. Bye. Bye. See you later. Javier. Bye. Javier. I hate you both.